Welcome to Centre Church. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Well, thank you, Joy, and the team for the opportunity to preach today. It's a real privilege to bring a word. And it's, I've had two words wrestling, and I've been sort of saying to God, which one do you want me to give? And I think this is the right word in season I trust the Lord. Um, I want to talk about something which we as humans aren't very good at doing. Oh, well, I'm certainly not very good at doing it, and that is waiting. Waiting. And I want to talk a little bit today about waiting in the wilderness. And um, in the Western world, I think even more, we are sort of conditioned that waiting isn't a good thing. You know, you just need to turn the TV on and it's advert after advert around fast food and this, you know, quick gimmick, this quick product's going to make your life faster and quicker and it almost becomes condition that actually fast is good and waiting is bad. You know, Rachel and I went to the cinema a few weeks ago and on a rare date night and um, we watched a film and then I came home and I saw the same film advertised on TV and like, in the olden days, you had to wait for week, or years before the film went out on DVD. Those who went to Blockbusters, remember queuing up in Blockbusters? Yeah. Disappointed your film wasn't there. But everything is instant. And, to, and some things are good, you know, to have that instant efficiency. But in fact, some things are worth the wait. And I want to talk about the sovereignty of the wait from the Lord. Because as Christians, as we follow the Lord and we submit to his sovereignty, we need to yield to his perfect timeline, don't we? His timing is perfect. We've been singing that song. It's I love that song. He is the way maker. He is the promise keeper. And I just think maybe God wants to speak to us, so just maybe unpick some of those worldly urgencies in our lives and say, actually, God, I want to recalibrate and walk in your rhythm and not the world's rhythm. And it's important to recognise that when, even when we can't see it, as we sung, God is always working. Even when we don't see it. Amen? And I just want to talk about two examples. You'll, see, you'll hear me sort of talking into change between these two examples, where I think they are God-ordained wilderness moments. They are God-ordained moments where his people had to wait for him. Now, in life, and we read it in God's Word, I think sometimes we have self-inflicted wilderness moments. And I'm not going to be talking about that today. You know, some, the Israelites had a self-inflicted big wilderness moment, didn't they, for 40 years, when they rejected that, that golden opportunity to go into the Promised Land. They bottled it. And the consequence was they had an enforced wilderness moment. But I want to talk about God-ordained, ushered wilderness moments. And maybe as a church, you've been in that moment. Maybe that's, you've been going through a season. Maybe as a family, as individuals, you've been ushered in a God-ordained wilderness moment. And I want, I think God is saying, it is not wrong to be in that ushered, God-ordained wilderness moment. It's his timing. The two examples are, it's the Israelites again. And I love both studying the Israelites because... I think they are a mirror unto us today, and we can learn so much from them. And when you read, we're quick to sort of judge them, aren't we, sometimes? Well, I am. We shouldn't be doing that, you know. But, but they are a learning example how to live, and sometimes how not to live. And the first example is when God had done that miraculous rescue mission. The Israelites 
have been in, in, as you know, they've gone into Egypt. And for over 400 years, they'd settled in Egypt. When Joseph was, became the prime minister and his family moved over and there was a famine and they kind of lodged and they stayed and they blossomed in Egypt. And in time, things changed, leadership changed and a new pharaoh came along, a grumpy pharaoh, and he did not like the Israelites. And their moment of sort of blossom and fruitfulness turned into a moment of slavery. And praise the Lord God, and he, he rescued them out of that enforced slavery. He heard their prayers, he heard their cries, and he rescued them the ten plagues, and then that miraculous passing of the Red Sea. And then, if you were to write it in a film, or if you sort of human understanding, and you just sort of said, right, it's going to be straight into the promised land. Thank you, God. But no, what happened? In Exodus 19, it says, exactly two months after the Israelites left Egypt, they arrived in the wilderness of Sinai. After breaking camp at Rephidim, they came into the wilderness of Sinai and set up camp here at the base of Mount Sinai. I'm sure they must have been thinking, when's this promised land coming? Two months of traveling, and they didn't have four by fours, they were sort of on foot, and you know, it must have been pretty tiring. But now is the time of ordained waiting, an ordained time in the wilderness. The other moment. And uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been hearing about that miraculous resurrection of our Christ and how God broke the chains of death and was resurrected. And he, for 40 days, he was interchanging, hanging out of his disciples. They saw him and they were sort of just getting their heads around Jesus being resurrected. And it came to the point where he was going to ascend to heaven. And he said to them, and this is in Acts, And he said to them, as he was taken up before there are is a cloud hidden from their sight. Sorry, I've jumped ahead of myself. Sorry, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. He said, on this occasion, while they were eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. So, he promised to wait for... He said, wait for them, and he promised. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently into the sky as he was going, and suddenly two men dressed in white beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you in heaven will come back the same way you have seen him go to heaven. So two separate moments. You had the Israelites who were probably a bit tired, a bit excited, maybe a little bit sort of thinking what's going on, a bit on edge, in the wilderness of Sinai. And then you had the disciples who, with their best mate game, they'd have a little camp on the beach. And all of a sudden he's gone to heaven. Another ordained wilderness of loneliness. The disciples were now, they could have felt abandoned. Where is our Heavenly Father gone. Where is Jesus, our Saviour, gone? Where is our Messiah gone? Two separate ordained wilderness moments. And I just want to just give you a few things I want to learn from these examples of wilderness moments, which maybe you may be going through today. And the first, po first point is the most important, is during the wilderness moment, and I'm, I'm speaking, I'm preaching to myself. I can confess, 
I'm going through a wilderness moment. I've been going through a wilderness moment maybe two or three years. So I'm preaching, I'm sharing some of the learnings from that. It hasn't been a perfect wilderness moment, but I'm in it, and I trust God will he'll lead me out of that wilderness moment. The first thing is stand on the promises of God during the wilderness moment. Stand on the promises. You may have lost sight of the promises as a church. As a family, as an individual, you may have lost sight of the promises. Now, of course, we share generic promises in the Word of God, but some promises may have been spoken over to you and confirmed and confirmed and confirmed. Be wary of just loose, random promises, friends, but sometimes God clearly speaks promises in your life. And when he does, and they are of him, he will confirm and confirm and confirm. Amen? In both cases, there were confirmed promises of these moments. You know the, 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 um, the account of the burning bush when Moses had escaped um, Israel, Egypt. He'd killed someone. He went away into the desert. He met a wife, and he was kind of there for 40 years. And then eventually he came into uh, an encounter with God, and a miraculous encounter. And God tells him the promise he is going to give. He teaches, he tells him about the rescue mission ahead of him. And Moses has a wobble, he's like, oh, I'm not too sure I'm the right person. And we know the account of God's gracious and patient. But in there, there's this amazing promise, Exodus 3, verse 12. God answered, I will be with you, and this is your sign, that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought, brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. God had already predetermined the rescue mission. He'd already warned Moses of the stubbornness of Pharaoh. He told of the goodness of the promised land, but he also knew the pathway to get there. The microwave meal over ready promised land wasn't in God's plan. He had a process to go through because he knew if he just ushered them straight into the promised land, there would have been anarchy. He needed to lay some important foundations. But I think Moses stood on that promise. There were times where Moses probably was swayed by the people, but I think he held on to that promise. Two months after the rescue mission, he was in the same mountain area which that time ago. Friends, God keeps his promises. Sometimes we stuff up, don't we, as humans, and we break promises, but God doesn't break his promises. Stand on the promises God has spoken over you when you're in the promised land. I touched on it before, I got ahead of myself. In, in Acts chapter 1, when Jesus was getting his disciples ready for his ascension. And this is not the first time he's promised this, and he promised it and promised it and promised it. And sometimes I reckon it went one ear and out the other, but as he said it more and more, it started to cement in their hearts and the realisation of what Jesus was talking about. He said, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you'll be baptised with the Holy Spirit. So it's so important we need to stand on the promises of God. Like they are our anchor during our time in God's ordained wilderness. In the waiting, we need to hold on to those promises. 
I think lesson number two is, and sometimes we can lose sight of this, it's being aware and also thankful of the provisions during the wait. Now, when the Israelites were in Sinai, it might not be the most picturesque place, it's quite a mountainous area, Sinai, if you've Googled it, but it was almost like the sort of first ever spring harvest camp. You know, they'd been taken out, they had a place of security, there was no enemies around them, they were camped together as a nation, for the first time they were all around there together, and enjoying the presence of God. God was in their midst, tangibly. They were being fed and watered. They had manna and quail. If you look at the preceding chapters of, uh, I think it's around Exodus 17, manna and quail, was, they moaned about the food and they were given manna and quail. They were being fed and watered. They had security. They had rest. Sometimes God wants to give you ordained wilderness waiting, primarily to give you rest. How many of you are in a rest time now, but you're moaning about it? I've been there. Rachel, my wife, reminds me, Mark, enjoy this moment. Because there's times when you get out, you might not be, have the luxury of some rest moments. So when you have rest, don't be embarrassed or ashamed of resting in God's presence. Amen? As humans, we need ordained rest. Because not only are we in a fast world now, we live in a 24-7 world. You know, you're, if you work or if you're at school or lectures, your emails, you're accessible all the time. On your iPhone, or before your iPone, there was Blackberries, wasn't it? And you, your boss can get hold of you all the time. It's hard not to rest. We need to rest in Christ. Amen? Have you lost sight of the provisions God has given you today? As a church, I'm well aware that you're, you've um, had a period of wilderness about your pastor and some of you may be thinking where is this pastor coming from friends be grateful for the leadership team who have stood in and fed and watered you every week be grateful to the team behind the scenes who are serving the administration of this church the labors of love poured into this church you have provision today amen be grateful for it thank the lord for it May God honour the workers of this church. Stand on the promises of God, friends. Be grateful for the provisions. God never let the Israelites down in the wilderness moment. Even in the self-inflicted wilderness, he didn't let them down. He fed and watered them. Their shoes never ran out. I wish we had that luxury. Having kids, their shoes are always getting worn out and their feet growing. God is good, isn't he? This is a really important one. In the wilderness moment, we may not see it, but he is laying foundations which are crucial for the next phase he may be leading you to. Now, in the Israelites' moment, this was the first covenant. This was one of the most important foundations of his kingdom he'd laid. Moses... As you read the account, I haven't got time, but if you read Exodus chapters 19 to 32, you'll read like Moses was like Bear Grylls. He's up and down that mountain. Up and down, almost like eight times I think it was. This wasn't a hill, this was up and down the mountain. It was tiresome for the guy, but he was going up, fellowship with God, coming down, relaying the messages, going up again, down again. And then there was a moment where 
He was up there for 40 days, just God reaffirming his covenant. And Moses was fellowshipping with the Lord. And during that time, it was the Ten Commandments, instructions how to live a life, prosperous life in the promised land. If God had ushered them straight into the promised land without those foundations, it would have been anarchy. It would have been just lawlessness. So allow God to lay foundations in your life. Some of you may be waiting and craving, but God may be doing things in your life. You may be craving a spouse, for example. Some of you may be in the waiting game. Where is this wife or husband coming from? God may be just using this time to equip you to be ready for that moment, for that job, for that new house. Whatever it is, that new venture, these are foundational times for you. You may not see it, but God does. So stand on the promises. These are foundational times. God is building. He is at work. Amen. It's not our business, the timetable of God. Those times where God was giving really detailed instructions on the tabernacle of his place of presence, the Ark of the Covenant, these were really important times. And Moses was in the thick of it, he was on the mountain hearing it, but the people weren't. They just had to rest of being God's presence. Did they do that? Well, sometimes. But I want to talk about the dangers, the potential dangers awaiting in the ordained wilderness. Because we have an enemy, don't we? And we shouldn't get too fearful of the, the, our enemy. He, it's Satan. He hates us. He hates God. He hates God's church. We should be aware of Satan and his ways, but we shouldn't become fixated or anxious. The, the word says, resist the devil and he will flee. That is the promise but we should be aware. Now, unfortunately, the Israelites have taken their eye off the ball. One of the dangers in the wilderness is complacency and temptation. One of the dangers is impatience. You know the account of Abraham and Sarah? God spoke a promise, a big promise in their lives. They were going to give birth to a new nation of Israel. We're talking about now. And they looked at each other and thought, well, we're, not, we're getting on a bit, aren't we? How is this going to happen? And they waited and waited and waited. And in the end, impatience came in. And Sarah kind of used um, Hagar as a surrogate. And Abraham had his first son, Ishmael, which wasn't how it's meant to be. But praise God, he's gracious, and he allowed that situation to sort of work itself out through his, his ways. But that wasn't how God had planned it for Sarah and Abraham. They thought they had to administer the solution to the promise. If the promise hasn't quite manifested yet, don't force it, church. Don't force it. Be patient. Ask, if you haven't got patience, ask God for it. If you've only got a little bit of patience, ask for more. Speak to Rachel. She tells me I'm, I'm like a dog on a lead. I'm waiting. I'm always ready for the next thing. I need patience in my life. Pray for patience. Because what happens is 
We, the thing we're promised or the thing we're longing for can also become a substitute to God. You know, the, 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 the desire to have a baby just becomes so all-consuming to Sarah that took over the focus of God. And I think this is what happened with the Israelites. They kind of became impatient. I think it was a sixth ascent up to the mountain. Moses was there for 40 days. It's a long time without their leader. But he, he'd given them Aaron, his right-hand man, and said, you're in charge. Now, I think something pre to this allowed them to slip big time with the golden calf. Bearing in mind, one of the covenants, the covenants, the instructions was, do not worship false idols. And they said, we won't. So they, they said yes to the instructions. I think they said it a few times. So they'd already signed up to the covenant. So how did they start then to demand Aaron to build a calf? How did Aaron even allow that to happen as the leader of that the trusted right-hand man? Earlier on in Exodus 20, we read, When the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance, trembling with fear. And they said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will listen, but don't let God speak directly to us, or we will die. Don't be afraid, Moses answered, for God has come in this way to test you, so that you fear him, and you'll keep from sinning. And the people stood in a distance. Moses approached the cloud where God was. Friends, I think there's an important lesson there is. As a church, you've got a great leadership team. You've had a pastor and you've gone back to Canada. I know you're longing for a pastor. But the danger is we can live our Christian walk via a church leader. Please say a prayer for me. There's nothing wrong with your leadership playing a prayer for you. you know, feed me through the word. There's nothing wrong someone speaking to your life like I'm doing today or in Sunday school. But you need to feed yourself. You need to fellowship with God yourself. God died on the cross for you. He didn't die on the cross for a pastor to then have a relationship with you. He died on the cross for you. He knows you by name. He doesn't go to pass and say, what's that person's name over there? He knows you by name. Amen? Amen. So church, maybe you've drifted. Maybe you've drifted. Get back to the place of having a deep fellowship with God. He knows you by name. The invite's there. We talk, I think it was um, Wish or Ruth talked about it last week where the, the curtain was torn in half. That separation where only the priests could go into the Holy of Holies was torn too. We're in the New Covenant now. You can go straight in to the presence of God. Talk to him whenever you want. That's good 24-7. You can talk to him whenever you want. When you're worried, when you're happy, when you're sad. The Israelites had kind of positioned Moses as their sort of demigod, I think. And when that spokesperson had gone for 40 days, they're like, oh my goodness, what do we do? They substituted God with the hideous golden calf. They messed up big time. They went against their promise. That might have been you. And this is not a moment to beat you up. It's just to sort of say, guys, if that's you today, God's a gracious, forgiving God. 
recalibrate your heart. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to understand his word. You could just pick up and start reading it. Say, God, I don't understand your word, but speak to me today through it. He will speak to you through you. That's a promise. You might say, I don't know how to say big flowery prayers. You don't have to say big flowery prayers. In fact, God doesn't really like them. Just say it as it is. If you could talk to someone in this room, in the coffee hall, you could talk to God. Amen? Don't fall in the traps in the wilderness. They turned their back on the promises. They became impatient. I'll, I'll read the scripture because it's important that you see, this is not just my, me making it up. When they saw, and when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said. Make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what's happened to this fellow Moses. Already they've shown disrespect to their leader. Who brought us out here to the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, take, gold ten, uh, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. These are the same golden earrings which God had given favour to the Israelites. When they were leaving Egypt, they were getting thrown gold. How cool that is. The very blessing God had given it, they had thrown it back in God's face by melting it. All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them into Aaron. And Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and moulded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods you brought out the land of Egypt. That is how easy it is to fall in the trap of the wilderness. Forty days is a long time, but it's not that long, is it, really? Forty days. They slipped. Let's not fall on that trap. But if you have, it's time to repent. It's time to say, God, I've messed up, I'm sorry. Take centre place in my life again. God is a gracious, forgiving God. We've been singing it this morning. A couple of last points before I wrap up. Sometimes there is action still needed during the wait. Uh, we talked about Jesus ascending to heaven and in Acts chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called Mount of Olives, a Sabbath walk from the city. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. What action can we take in the wilderness? They all join together constantly in prayer. Prayer is, maybe sounds so obvious, but it's something which we can neglect. Praying constantly as a body of believers is so important. Praying as families, as individuals. Corporate prayer is very powerful. I know sometimes it's difficult to get to the Thursday prayer. I think is it once a month here? Once a month. And once a week on a Tuesday? But if you get a moment, come along. Because corporate prayer is so powerful. Time to sharpen each other up. Action during the wait, prayer. But also, they did some practical stuff as well. They realised they were down to 11 men in the disciples. God had ordained 12. Jesus had ordained 12 disciples in the leadership team. They didn't wait for this moment of the Holy Spirit they looked around, Peter, as a leader as he is, went, we're one man down, we need to do something about it. 
So it says in verse 21, Acts 1, Therefore it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. From one of these must become a witness up with us of the resurrection. They realised that they needed extra in their team. Friends, there could be things in this church today which still need fixing and sorting out. I think what God says is, the things which are obvious, go and do. There may be things in your lives. You're thinking, well, I better wait, I better wait. If it's so obvious, just do it. Maybe ministries need looking under the bonnet. Do we still need to do this? Do we not? Maybe God's saying, don't wait for a pastor. Just make some decisions. Is God absolved? No, he's not. What do they do? I don't know when the church stopped doing lots, but I reckon it was probably a lot easier in those days, wasn't it? They nominated two men, Joseph and Matthias, and they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which one of these two you've chosen to take over this um, apostle ministry, which Judas left us where they belongs. And they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the eleven. They saw a need. They were waiting for the promise. They cracked on. They prayed about it. They didn't just make up, well, he's a good bloke. They prayed about it. They discerned two people were in the frame. They kind of outlined the prerequisites for this leader, someone who'd walked the path of Jesus, someone who'd witnessed his testimony, someone who'd been birthed in his teaching, and they made a decision. There may be some decisions you're thinking, let's just hold off, hold off, hold off. And there may be some decisions, to be fair. But maybe someone's just low-hanging fruit. God might be saying, go for it. He's ordained you today to make decisions. He's given you his wisdom. Pray about it. He'll steer you. Maybe use lots. No, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'd like to, if anyone could tell me when lots were stopped, I'd like to know. But um, They were very simple, weren't they? Um, didn't stop working during the wait, and neither did Moses. He was up and down that mo- mountain, wasn't he? Yes, it was a time of worship, but he was working. He was conveying the messages. He'd given one job to Aaron. He'd given a job to the people. He'd given clear instructions around the boundaries of the mountain, how they to sort of consecrate themselves for worship. There's some clear instructions there. So they had a job as well. The church, we all have a church role to do, even today. Final point. Even in the wilderness, God-ordained wilderness, we need to be ready in waiting. Because the timeline for God's wilderness is his timeline. But there's a beginning and an end. And then there's a transition point. And most transition points happen like that. Maybe a slow build-up in your eyes, but when it happens, you're thinking, oh my goodness, this is happening. And in both cases, there were two waiting moments. Later on in Numbers, I think, depending on who, which clever person you read, it could have been a year or two since Sinai, but it's about a year or two to the point of arriving at Sinai and then getting mobilised to go to the Promised Land. And Jesus sent out the spies. We know this story, don't we? Ten were, weren't ready at all. Two were. Caleb and Joshua. They were ready and waiting. 
they were ready. They were mobilized. They were hungry. They were obedient. That's why Rachel and I call one of our boys Caleb Joshua. Hopefully he's ready when God calls him. They were ready. Ten weren't, I'm afraid. They got cosy. They quite, in the end, after moaning about it, they quite liked the wilderness. They wanted to stay in it. And then there's the apostles in, in, uh, we read about in Acts. So they've gone back. They've been praying. They've just sorted out some logistics of the leadership team. And then when the day of Pentecost came, they were filled together in one place. Suddenly a loud a sound like the blowing of a wind, violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in tongues as the Spirit unveiled them. I think that church, that small church there, were so united, so of one accord. Everyone received the Holy Spirit. There was no outliers. They were all tuned in. How tuned are you in today? How tuned are you in today? They were ready. They were thirsty. They, were t- they hadn't broken off. There were no splinter fraction groups. They were just focused on the promise of God. They were ready. Those of you who like football, I had the pleasure or displeasure of watching Man United, and you, you hear the manager says that the subs need to be ready. And you see the men and the boys, those who are ready, when the subs are called to come on, and those who aren't. These were all ready to receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. And what happened then is Peter was so super ready, he was ready to preach the first ever gospel message you read in Acts 2. A man who was so scared of a young girl saying, oh, you're one of Jesus. He was now a new man. He was birthed in the Holy Spirit. He was match ready to do God's will. He'd received that promise and he boldly preached the gospel and around 3,000 people gave their lives to God today. That's what being ready and waiting looks like, church. Are you ready and waiting as a church? Are you ready and waiting as your family, as your individual, for the promises God has spoken over your life? Because when God turns the page of the wilderness, that's when he expects obedient footsteps and readiness amongst his people. I want to just finish on a, a psalm. This is one of my favorite um, psalms. Psalms 37, and verses 3 to 7. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord. You might be in the wilderness today, but you can still delight and worship the Lord. This is the promise. I love this bit. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For any more information or to find out more of what we do as a church, you can contact us 
at info at centrechurch.uk or check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk